Hey there, language lovers, it's Shannon, and I'm excited to welcome you to a new episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. In this episode, Benny and I talk to Evelyn, a Fluent in Three Months Challenge participant about learning a language during lockdown, pushing through the bad days, and motivation. Some of the topics we discuss are how to maintain motivation through community, fighting perfectionism when learning a very different language, why the resources you use don't matter as much as the time you're putting in, and what it means to be fluent in a language. We appreciate you listening to the podcast, and we love hearing from you. Let us know what you think about the podcast episode by leaving us a review at languagehacking.com slash review. We appreciate your reviews, and they help others find the podcast. The links and resources mentioned in this episode can be found at languagehacking.com slash 32. Now... On to our interview with Evelyn. Welcome to the Language Hacking Podcast from Fluent in Three Months. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. We are talking to one of our incredible, inspiring, Fluent in Three Months Challenge participants, Evelyn, who learned Korean with us as a part of the Fluent in Three Months Challenge. So I'm going to go ahead and introduce my guest host. First of all, we have Benny Lewis from Fluent in Three Months. Hello, as always, language hackers. Looking forward to diving into this one. And I'm just going to dive right in. And Evelyn, why don't you tell us how you got into language learning? Yeah, so my language learning journey started when I was really young. However, it didn't take it all. So I'm Canadian. Therefore, I grew up learning French in school like a lot of other people. I was in French for about 13 years in the education system, and I still don't speak French, <laughs> aside from bonjour and au revoir. So I always wanted to learn languages. I always had an interest, but I always just thought that it wasn't possible for me because I grew up not speaking French. I just figured if you didn't learn as a kid, it wasn't really a possibility as an adult. And then I read Benny's book actually about two years ago, and it was such an inspiration to me reading all the, the debunking, the myths of language learning, and it inspired me. And I knew at that point that I was going to participate in the Fluent in Three Months Challenge. At that point, though, I was working full-time and in a full-time degree, and I thought at the time that it wasn't possible to manage language learning on top of those things. So I waited until I just graduated this past May and immediately jumped into a challenge, uh, coincidentally at the same time that my country was locked down for quarantine. So I had all the time in the world to now devote to language learning, and I learned so much from there and became so inspired by everyone else in the community and hearing people's stories and seeing that people in everyday regular lives as adults are able to pick up and learn multiple languages like both of you have as well. So that's kind of how it, I got started and uh, I'm loving it so far. I actually wish I had done the challenge two years ago when I was still in school, seeing people juggle language learning on top of everything else they do. I think it is definitely possible to learn in school and on top of working, learn a language as well. So, yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that for sure. But um, with your story in particular, I'm very curious, like, as you said, you um, didn't quite manage to learn French. So I would imagine that French would have been the first language you dived into as an adult. Uh, but instead, you got inspired to learn Korean, which is a whole world away. So where did that inspiration come from? Why did you pick 
Korean of all languages? Yeah, that's actually a really interesting question to bring up. So I was really captivated and fascinated by Korean culture uh, very early on for a few years now. And I discovered K-pop originally, and then that led me to K-dramas. And then from there, kind of snowballed into loving Korean culture and wanting to learn Korean and move abroad there. But you're right. When I first announced to everyone in my friends and family that I was learning Korean, I got a lot of opposition from my family and friends. Uh, I got, you should learn Chinese. It's more valuable in a global language. It'll serve you better in the long run. Why aren't you learning French? You're Canadian. You need to learn French first. It's more useful here. And like, oh, Korean isn't that helpful of a language. They only speak it in one country in the world. You should learn Spanish instead. You can speak it everywhere. So I, I literally have heard it all. And I was always um, firm and telling them that, no, Korean's what I want to learn. And I think when choosing a language, the most important thing, if, if you get that choice, is to choose something that you love, choose something that interests you, that you're passionate about. If you're choosing a language only out of necessity, need, you're not necessarily going to enjoy the process as much. It's going to feel like more of a chore, but you're spending anywhere from hundreds to thousands of hours thinking about speaking and then listening to that language. So I think first and foremost, it should be something that you enjoy. Even when it is a language that you choose for yourself and it's something that you enjoy, naturally, we go through these periods where we don't enjoy it so much and we kind of question why we've taken on this sort of project. And I know that as a part of the Fluent Three Mount Months challenge, it's a 90 day challenge and it's intensive. So there are definitely moments like that. So in your experience, what have those moments been and what have you done to push through them? Yeah. So in such an intensive language learning challenge in fluent three months with 90 days, it's it's a long time. It doesn't feel like it when you're in the middle of it, but you begin the challenge with so much uh, motivation and excitement and you spend a lot of time studying and you're excited about things. And then uh, about halfway through, I definitely found that I hit a wall and I was like, wow, I've made so much progress, but I also have so much further to go. Like, will I ever be fluent? What's the point in learning? And all these type of doubts roll through your mind. So there were definitely things I had to deal with. And I think what it ultimately came down to is the two success factors were having the community around me to support me when you're feeling down. So actually reaching out to people and asking for help when you need it and getting a pat on the back of people assuring you that you're doing a good job because language learning is such um, is such a process. It's so long. You can't necessarily just do it in three weeks and be done. So you need that community and that support around you as you go. If you're taking on this journey on your own, it's, it's going to be a lot harder to stay motivated in the long run. And then I think the other half uh, that was the key to my success is building really good, sustainable habits with your language learning. Because motivation, ultimately, it comes and goes. It's not that reliable. But if you can build habits very early on, for example, when you are having breakfast in the morning, maybe you study your flashcards then. When you walk to work or you're driving, you can listen to a podcast. And maybe instead of at night, you're turning on Netflix to watch TV, you turn on Netflix in your target language. Building those types of habits very early on in the first month. After about 30 days, you don't even think about it. And when you walk to work, you just automatically put on this podcast. And even if you don't have any desire or motivation to study your language, you'll actually be doing it whether you want to or not, just because it's so natural to you at that point to just listen to the podcast that you're not going to think about it. So I think building really good sustainable habits, as well as being surrounded by really supportive community are definitely keys to success in the long term. Yes, absolutely. Now, when you're looking back on your own language story, why do you think it is that you would not have succeeded with learning French in school? And uh, nowadays you're doing so much better with Korean. 
What do you think the difference was between your two experiences? Yeah, absolutely. So I think partially the reason when you're learning French in school, it's not something that anyone is really interested in. It's not a class that most people want to be in. So there is an opposition inherently there because people aren't excited. They're not supporting each other. You're with other people, but no one's helping you along the way. It's just kind of something you're all being pushed through in the education system. But the community in Fluent Three Months, even though we're not learning the same languages, everyone's working together and helping each other. And I'll watch people's videos and languages I don't speak at all and still, I don't understand a word, but I can still feel their excitement and happiness and support in that sense. But the groups in school as well, I feel like the education system, at least in, in Canada as a whole, it doesn't really help you succeed. It's, it's very focused on the academic, the grammar. And I, I don't remember even speaking French until grade at least 10 in school because it was focused on just studying uh, verb conjugation tables. So I think it, the group necessarily doesn't make it your language better or worse. I think it's having the community there to support you. And you are actually back with us for another challenge. So what would you say having one challenge under your belt, what you're going to do differently now that you're doing this for a second time around? Yeah, I feel like this time around, it's, it's kind of nice knowing the process and what's coming. And I can see people that are in the challenge for the first time. And I love reaching out and helping them and offering compliments. I just edited a girl's sentences that she was using for her introduction videos the other day and I helped her out with that. So it's, it's kind of nice being able to take on more of a mentorship role with some people and help encourage them when they're, sailing, they're saying they're feeling really overwhelmed and offering the advice that I have learned so far. So I really am enjoying helping people through that. For myself with learning, I'm taking the advanced challenge now with Korean. So it's, I don't know if I'm ready for the advanced challenge, but I'm pushing myself anyway to see what I can accomplish in another 90 days with this language. And I'm trying to get more more uh, long-term habits at this point as well. So I want more habits that will make me focus on those things that I really don't want to focus on. So I can default back to just watching TV and get my hours for the day, but I'm trying to force myself into doing more intensive listening and intensive speaking, things that I know that I need to do to push myself to get better. So I, I want to do that, but also make sure I'm having fun along the way. So incorporate a good balance of hard work and a good time. So in your own experience with the challenge, I know you ran into a plateau of sorts. So can you explain to us what actually happened there and how you dealt with that? Yeah, of course. So you're right. Halfway through, I hit um, the kind of high beginner, low intermediate iceberg where you realize that, yeah, you've come so far so quickly in the first 30 days. I think I increased my vocabulary by about 500%. I went from 50 words to a few hundred words and it felt like I was making so much progress. And I felt that if I could make that progress every 30 days, I'd be fluent in a few weeks. But that's not what happens. Of course, there's a lot to learn really early on. So you make progress really fast and then you start making progress very slowly. It's kind of like an exponential function. So at that point, I felt like I was climbing Everest all by myself in a snowstorm and I lost all my gear. I ran out of water. It was really difficult at the time. So what pulled me through that was when I could post in the community and ask people how they were doing and hear about their stories and having them encourage me along the way, say, wow, you did so good between day zero and day 30. You can keep doing, keep going, keep going. And then being able to look back on my day zero video and I was able to laugh at all the mistakes I made and I could see how far I had come. So I could see that the challenge was working, even though I was making a lot slower progress nowadays, it was still progress. So I had to basically 
have a battle with my inner perfectionist and tell myself that I would be able to overcome this and accept that I wouldn't be perfect in my journey, but that it was my journey. And no matter how slow or fast it went, that I was still working. So it was definitely a big realization for me, especially being a perfectionist. Given that you tend towards perfectionism, and I've, this is definitely something that you kind of have to fight through the entire process of learning a language, but with a language that has so many differences from English, like Korean, where you're having to wrap your head around completely unrelated vocabulary, completely unrelated grammar, and step into something that's essentially completely new. How did you fight that perfectionism? And what were your strategies for learning such a different language? Yeah, everyone thought I was uh, quite crazy for jumping into Korean (laughs) for being my first second language. And it definitely was a lot different. It is the exact opposite of English in many ways. And it's very difficult in in many ways because I'm thinking with my English brain is a saying that we always say with Korean because I'm trying to translate English into Korean. And I had to basically accept the fact that you can't translate one language exactly into another. You need to start thinking in that language and realize that the words that I'm using in English don't exist in Korean or they're not used the same way. So you need to start thinking outside the box a little more and being creative and let go of that hard training that we've learned all our lives with this English grammar drilled into our brains. So that was a big part of learning Korean for me. And the strategies I used to help get over that, I had to understand that it's, it's a bigger challenge to take on, of course, but I was prepared for the journey. And I think it was my success is because I was so excited and passionate about Korean. I don't think I would have come this far in French just because of the passion behind my reason for learning the language. So the passion was kind of what drove me and pushed me towards doing better with the Korean and getting better there. Okay, very good. So if someone else was starting their own three-month challenge or the Fluent Three Months Challenge specifically, what advice would you give them to make sure they're more likely to succeed? Or what resources would you recommend that they use? Yeah, so I think the challenge, ultimately, if you're looking at the Fluent 3 Months Challenge, the goal is to have a 50-minute conversation in 90 days. So when you're looking at what you need to break down in order to have this conversation, you want uh, a general vocabulary to talk for a few minutes about yourself and understand your partner's responses. You want exposure listening to native speakers the ability to formulate the responses and ask questions. And I think most importantly, you need experience speaking by yourself and you need that confidence in yourself. I think that's the biggest thing is to speaking the language is having the confidence to do so because you could perhaps be fluent in French, but if you're too afraid to speak, that's a big, big part of it. And it's, it's a nerve wracking experience speaking in this, this second language that you're not fluent in because you're going to be worried about making mistakes and about being judged, but you need to, find a way to let that go. And it's still a process I am working on myself. I am not perfect at that. And I am still shy every time I have to speak in Korean. So your first time learning language, I find there's so many websites and books, like you mentioned, in terms of learning a language. And there's so many sources of input coming at you. It's very overwhelming and confusing, especially if you've never learned a language before. But I don't think there's any particular app or resource that is superior. And if you, for example, use Anki every day, you will be fluent. Or if you use Rosetta Stone or Link Q, that's suddenly the key. I think the resource that will teach you your target language is the resource that you stick with, that you're sticking with long term and that you like. We have debates for hours over what's better and whatnot. But ultimately, as long as you're putting in the time, putting in the hours and make, meeting your progress, you will 
see progress based on whatever you're using. So I think it's depending on whatever you like the most and you need to just go with your gut and stick it out. If you're focusing on spreading yourself out over too many resources and there's, you're not going to be learning anything because you're going to be repeating a lot of the same beginner content back and forth. This is um, a concept I actually really enjoy bringing up called the paradox of choice, which is where Western societies have developed such a large amount of choice in everyday life that it's commonly associated with freedom, but too much choice can cause the feeling of less happiness, less satisfaction, and lead to paralysis. So when you're sitting there wondering which book you should buy or what app you should use, I think you just ultimately need to pick one. Because if you don't, you're going to be paralyzed for hours, not knowing what to do. It's like if you're scrolling through Netflix, you're going to be wanting to pick a movie to watch, but you're going to spend an hour, instead of watching a movie, you're going to spend an hour deciding what to watch. So you want to pick some resources that you're going to be able to stick with long term, pick two or three, and then go with your gut. See if you try them out for a few weeks and you really, really don't like them, then you can move on. But otherwise, I think it's about just deciding something and sticking with it. Since we're discussing strategy, one of the things that you have to do as a part of the challenge is record yourself having a 15-minute conversation in your new language at the end of the 90 days. So what were some of your strategies or activities that you did that helped you accomplish this goal? Yeah, so for specifically me, I did a lot of drills during my first challenge to improve my language goal. And sometimes it feels meaningless every little thing. You're like, how can this help? But it ultimately does contribute towards meeting your goal, even if you don't see it, just because it's so impossible to measure this these things on such a small progress on a daily basis. But it all does work ultimately. So now I suddenly can maybe un uh, unconsciously conjugate verbs or I can type without looking at the keys, or I understand what my teacher says when they ask me a question. These are these little goals and wins that we have when we learn languages that it's, it's very hard to measure language and fluency. So we need to focus on those small goals. Specifically, I did a balance of uh, Anki and memorized vocab drills. So I think it's maximized uh, the I guess the effectiveness of flashcards are maximized when you can use photos and mnemonics. Our photographic memory is so powerful that when we can use it to its full extent, you don't put that much effort into learning a word because it's just automatically creating new pathways in your brain for you to remember the word as opposed to just looking at the spelling of something. When you add in the auditory pronunciation of the word from the native speaker, the spelling of the word, and maybe a personalized mnemonic, you're even deepening these connections further. So it's kind of like a cheat code you can use to help you memorize vocabulary. So I focused a lot on doing that with my vocab. And I, I do believe that it's more beneficial to create your own flashcards because that way you're creating those memories of creating the flashcards and searching for the pictures as you go. And it's going to be more memorable in your brain than if you just read or look at a picture that someone else chose for you. And then another tool I used a lot, I really enjoy making my own sentences as much as possible. So learning vocabulary is only one step of the puzzle to speaking. You also need to know how to use that vocabulary in proper context. And when you're spending time making sentences, you can do so. You need to think about formulating the words you want to use, the grammar structures and the, the sentence structure, sorry, and the grammatical patterns as you go. So you can turn that into a lot of speaking practice. So I would actually drive my roommate crazy all day by speaking Korean to myself. I would uh, point at things and say what they are. I describe what's going on or what thoughts are in my head. So I spent a lot of time doing that. 
or when I wasn't talking, I would try writing down and making my own sentences on paper. And it kind of gives you a bit more of a chance to think and maybe practice some more complex sentence structures that you wouldn't just speak necessarily. For sure. Yeah. And now um, you've inspired other people in the challenge uh, with their languages, and I'm sure you would have run into uh, struggles during your own experience. So how would you have overcome any kind of shyness or nerves when you first had to record yourself or what do you do now when you have to record yourself or have a spoken session in front of another speaker? How do you handle any um, lack of confidence in those situations? Yeah, I'm not the best example for this because even now I, after completing a full challenge into my second challenge, I am still nervous every time I go to record myself or jump on a call with a native speaker in terms of uh, recording myself, I, I don't know, doing like fun little silly exercises, like I'll stick my tongue out at myself and I'll just laugh about things and it kind of helps take the, um, the pressure off. So that helps me when I'm first getting started with recording. And then with the native speakers, I, I still am nervous every time I hop on a call, but I find that with italki, when you book a session, and you can't cancel last minute because you're scared because then you owe them money. And for me, putting money down on something is a good way to keep me motivated. And so, oh, well, I can't skip this because I paid for it. It's, it's just uh, something that I've always used to keep myself motivated and not back out. So I, I technically, I won't tend to uh, dip last minute if I have money on it. The same goes for appointments at the gym or like any, anything that I have money on. So there's a good app for that. I think Beeline is really wonderful. You can have little goals every single day you set and you have to go on and say that you completed your goal. And if you don't, they'll start charging you money out of your bank account and it goes up every day if you don't actually do accomplish your goals. So that's something that I've used in the past to hold me accountable personally. And in terms of getting rid of the shyness, it's, it's something that you have to learn along the way and you have to just get a lot of practice in so you can get more comfortable. I think it's all about the more exposure you get speaking, the more comfortable you're get. So it's that initial step is going to be scary. I think for anyone in any language, but the more you do it, it does get easier. You've talked a bit about some of your personal challenges that have been something that you've worked against as you learned a language, such as, such as perfectionism and shyness. But what about the language it, itself? What would you say are the most challenging things about learning Korean? Yeah, Korean's Korean's a really interesting language. So it quite literally flips English sentence structure uh, upside down. You're saying things completely backwards. It is uh, what is it? Objects are subject, object, verb. So your verbs coming last in the sentence, which is is not in English. In English, it's your verb will come second as soon as the subject is. So Korean is is very different than English, and the way they conjugate things specifically is also different. And the ending of all Korean verbs is completely, it changes the entire nuance of the sentence. And there's quite literally hundreds of Korean verb endings. So you get to a point with studying Korean where you're only studying verb endings after you get the basics of the sentence structure. So that's what makes it, it quite difficult in comparison to English. But there are a lot of things that make it really easy, which you wouldn't quite expect. Korean sentences, you think they'd be harder than they are, but it's, it's, very there's not as many uh, prepositions in english it's a very wordy language in english we create meaning with uh, words and with sentence patterns so you can have a specific pattern of words like how much how many and that has meaning in korean they actually create meaning with their sentences based on these verb endings and specific words so when you actually look up in dictionaries 
English, I believe, uh, quote me if I'm wrong, but English has about 275,000 active words in its dictionary right now, and then a few thousand more that are inactive words. Uh, if you look at a language like Spanish, in comparison, it's only 92,000 words, which is the lowest. And then Japanese is 500,000. But Korean has uh, 1.2 million words in their dictionary. And this, this shocked me at first because I'm like, oh, I, I'm never going to know one, one million words and you don't need to. But it's because of the way the language was created, how it's a lot of it is derived from Chinese. And a lot of it, they're now taking a lot of English loanwords into their vocabulary. So I'm actually picking up words that are just quite literally uh, the Korean pronunciation of English words that are being incorporated into their daily life now. So you can find little bits of easiness then and there. And they also use a lot of common structures in Korean. So at one point, you kind of realize that this certain syllable, if it's in any word, it means school. So anything with the syllable attached is going to be something related to school and learning. And there's dozens of these in Korean. So it actually becomes quite easy. And you can figure it out pretty, pretty fast once you get into it. And then in terms of their actual conjugation is a breeze. Korean conjugation is very quite simple and you can learn it in a day or so. But it's just the sentence endings, of course, the verb endings that are going to be the next biggest step with Korean. Now, I'm sure your experience with Korean has just been so vastly different to what it would have been with French when you're learning that in school. So what do you think are the major differences in how your approach has changed between the two? Or what would be the biggest lesson that you've learned in language learning, given those two different experiences? Okay. I think what I'm doing differently now is my mindset has changed a lot in regards to language learning. So I've, the biggest lesson I've learned in general from language learning is that you can make the impossible become possible with enough dedication and passion. And I, I didn't know if it was possible before. So really understanding that if I put the hours in, that it, it will happen for me. So, of course, I tried learning a second language for years with no success. And I always thought that I wouldn't be able to become bilingual or trilingual in my life. But language learning comes with a lot of hardships, joys, uh, tears. And it's a very, very great thing for strengthening your confidence and perseverance overall. I think it, it teaches you a lot. Uh, I've learned to trust myself in the process along the way. When I'm having a bad day or I don't accomplish my goals, I let go. I try not to sit all night and grumble about it. And I think that tomorrow is a whole new day and you can accomplish everything else you wanted to do tomorrow. So you have to really learn to not hold yourself to these really hard and strict standards and go with what feels right in the moment. Language learning, as I mentioned, is a trek. There's a lot of stumbles along the way, but if you have your team and your community to support you, you'll come out victorious on the other end. I also learned, and I have this mentality with language learning, that there's no hard and fast way to fluency. Fluency is very ambiguous and undefinable itself. So what makes you fluent? Is it when you can understand TV in your target language, when your vocabulary reaches 10,000 words, when you can pass an academic language placement exam? Is it when you can talk for an hour without a translator? Are you still considered fluent if you can speak but not read and write? These are all questions that we ask ourselves as language learners. And I think everyone has different goals in and of themselves. And you know, when do we consider yourselves fluent? It's such a, a weird term. So I, I try not to hold on to that term and let myself go with the process as I'm discovering it. So I think fluency is in itself an evolving fluid concept and it's different for everyone. And I think there's a lot of process that comes along the way to becoming uh, fluent. 
So I think you can't just wish to be fluent with language learning. You need to love and enjoy and appreciate the process along the way because it's what ultimately makes language learning fun. What would you say the biggest surprise that knowing another language has given you? I didn't realize how I would think differently, honestly. I think there's so many things that knowing a second language can teach you about your own language, but also about other people, about their cultures. And I have been really surprised by that. I feel more connected to this other culture now, even though I am not from their culture, I can understand them. And I, I, you understand a lot about how people are based on their language. Uh, Korean specifically, there's a lot of respect built into the language based on the community. They focus on us versus me. And that's a very different uh, concept of at least in North American and with English, it's, it's a very uh, I based language. But in Korean, you quite literally have phrases you say to make yourself sound softer. And I think that really unlocked something that I wasn't expecting learning about another culture in another language. So I was really enjoying the surprise that learning another language, you almost have like a second heart or a second brain. You, you think through a different mind when you have a different language in your life. And it's, it's a really good cool perspective that I was unprepared for, but really enjoying. Definitely. And Korean in particular has uh, a very interesting pop culture around it. And uh, it's been on my bucket list to learn Korean for, for quite a while. But um, even without any exposure to it, I know of K-pop and um I know of uh, the dramas that happen on TV, and I'm curious what has been your experience with that and what kind of surprises have you had um, from getting exposed to this side of Korean culture? Yeah, one thing I uh, never expected to happen, because it wasn't something I had thought of, but I had listened to Gangnam Style a few weeks ago. My friend had it on and I could understand most of it. And <laughs> that was just the, the weirdest shock. I was like, oh, yeah, I guess that I could understand this now. So things, things like that just, just happen and you're not expecting it. Um, I am more engrossed in K-pop and K-dramas than ever. And I could honestly talk about them by myself for like seven hours. So I won't go too in-depth, but it's, it's really great seeing how a culture uses its language for entertainment media, for things like TV and movies and music. And I will spend hours just dissecting song lyrics some days. And it does really help learning my challenge too. There might be a vocab word that I'm struggling to learn for three weeks and I hear it once in a song and it is in my brain permanently. And it's these real, I, I call it finding vocab in the wild. It's when you find vocab and encounter it in the wild, it almost sticks way better than any amount of studying on a flashcard app will ever do for you. So having the exposure to that language and feeling connected with it and seeing how they utilize it on a daily basis is really exciting. And being able to get more connected with the language because I, I can now, you know, Google things in Korean and I can see the more authentic responses instead of the English translations is really nice. You've talked briefly about some of your language learning rituals and resources, but if you had to really nail it down to what your favorite language learning ritual is and what your favorite current resources are for learning Korean, what would those be? Currently, I am still using uh, my Anki decks that I make every day. And my Anki deck is uh, three-pronged, actually. So I have a pronunciation trainer in my Anki deck, which I use minimal pairing, where the process you get words that sound very similar to each other, both in your target language or in your target language and then in English. And you have to listen to the audio of both and distinguish which one is which. So I'm currently using that every single day to help me train my ears to better understand what I'm hearing and 
improve my pronunciation. My Anki deck, the master, is with all the vocab I encounter when I'm watching TV, when I'm listening to music, anything I think is relevant. I save and I input into Anki deck using mnemonics and photos and audio that I get from a native speaker speaking. And then I also have uh, phrases and idioms Anki deck that I really enjoy where any it's, it's phrases that I see when I am exploring Korean, but also anything I think of. So a lot of me based phrases. So for example, I have a phrase in my deck saying, I am Canadian. My name is Evelyn. Things that other people wouldn't necessarily want to say, but that are very useful for me. So I put full phrases in donkey and I need to translate them with the, and the audio comes up as well. So I can get that audio confirmation that what I'm saying is accurate. So every day I had to wake up and do wonky as first thing in the morning to get a little win. I really enjoy getting one of your harder language learning tasks done as soon as possible when you first wake up, because then the rest of the day feels like a breeze. You've woken up and you've already had a success. You've already accomplished something that you needed to do. And it was the thing that you didn't want to do the most. This is useful, especially because we do tend to have more motivation in the mornings. And the later you go in the day, the less motivation you have to study or to go to the gym or to cook or anything like that. So I wake up and have this first win. And then I like to incorporate a lot of listening practice in my day as well. So I have a lot of TV that I'm currently watching without English subtitles, which is a challenge, but also very enjoyable. I'm trying to watch something that I've already seen before that you can read the plot of online in advance. So you have an idea of what's going on. So you can still be interested, but focused on picking up the pronunciation and the meaning of their sentences. And then I also spend a lot of time listening to various podcasts. So with Korean, there's a really wonderful resource called Talk to Me in Korean. It's uh, most of their main podcasts are free, but they do also have subscription available and dozens and dozens of books. So they have podcasts teach you about grammar, podcasts that teach you about basic sentence building. They have podcasts that are half in English, half in Korean, uh, podcasts fully in Korean. And I try to listen to a few of those every single day of various types. And uh, that's kind of my routine at the moment. Oh, and I talk you lesson, of course. <laughs> of course, right. But um, that's definitely a lot uh, that would keep you interested in the language for the long term, uh, for sure. But I'm uh, curious if you run into any issues keeping that motivation up, because it can feel like a forever task to get on top of another language. So how do you stay motivated? Yeah, so I think I mentioned about creating the, the habits. If you can create those habits very early on, on those days where you're not motivated, I do tend to still accomplish my goals. But even then, there are, are days where I... I no motivation to even get out of bed. And those are days where sometimes you do just have an off day where you don't accomplish any learning and you need to accept that those will happen and not let having one bad day affect your next day or the rest of your week. If you have one bad day and then fall off the wagon, you're not going to ultimately reach your goal. But if you have one bad day and you can pick yourself up next and say, okay, yes, yesterday was really bad. I didn't do anything. But today I can't do something and I will. And that will help you stay in the long term, uh, stick to your goal. So there are days where that has happened to me. There are some days where I feel that bad, but I can still muster enough courage or strength to just throw on an episode of Korean TV with English subtitles. And that's at least something for the day. So I find having those moments are really useful because there are some times where I don't want to hear a word of Korean, but other days I... I can force myself into hearing a little bit and then you always feel better when you get something done. So you can start with an easy, easy task for the day. Let's say you have no motivation whatsoever, but you agree to watching a short five minute YouTube video in your target language. That's funny. 
So you have something and you say, okay, I did something that's absolutely better than nothing. But more often than not, you'll start with that one video and then you'll be like, okay, this isn't so bad. And you'll be able to actually do way more after just committing to that short little task that you didn't think you could do. You've shared a lot of really great advice in this podcast already, but one of the questions that we like to ask everyone who comes on the show, because it is the language hacking podcast, is what is language hacking for you? For me, I think language hacking is is different for every person because everyone does have different goals that they want to reach with their fluency. Some people want to be able to pass the exam. Some people want to read and write. Some people just want to speak. So it's, it's different for every single person. But language hacking, I, I don't know if there's a specific way to hack a language. You really just have to put in the hours and the time. It's I think someone mentioned calling it your language push-ups. If you want to get abs, you have to do your push-ups every day and you're not going to get abs without doing those push-ups. And for me, my language push-ups are, I call them my Anki because Anki is still uh, something that I don't like doing that much, but I do it every day because I know that to hack a language, you need to put in the time. You can't, unfortunately, I wish we could just play audio overnight and then wake up fluent the next day, but it doesn't seem to work like that, at least in my experience. So I think it's important that you have to understand that it's, uh, something you're something you're learning. You can't just learn physics overnight either by hacking it. I would say it's it's a long term goal, and you need to have the commitment and motivation to pursue that goal without um, stick, sticking through the long term. Of course, like I mentioned, you aren't just going to learn a language overnight. It's such a long, arduous process to get to any point of fluency within a language. So it's important that you look at it as a long term goal and focus on the daily as well. You want to have a stretch goal, so you maybe want to be able to have like a two hour conversation at the end of the year. So a stretch goal, like that's really going to keep you motivated, but also having little daily goals, little smart goals that you can accomplish every single day that will keep you motivated in the short term. Excellent stuff. And as we wrap up, I'd love to hear what kind of projects you have coming up or um, what's next on the horizon for you, especially with regards your Korean. Yeah, so I'm actually uh, excitingly moving to Korea in a few months. So I'm working on getting my visa process sorted right now. I have an interview in a few hours. So hopefully that all goes well and I'll be there early 2021. And I want to take the approach that I know Scott Young did where he didn't speak any English when he was in Korea with his uh, year-long language learning journey. So I'd love to do something like that once I finally get there. And I, I would really love to see myself get... Yeah, I say fluent again, but like I said, fluent's not really um, a word with a hard and fast definition. So I, I would love to get to a point where I am conversationally able to hear, listen, and answer at a very in- high intermediate um, advanced point within the next year, I think, especially with the exposure living in that country. With the end of this challenge, I, I'm hoping that I can be less shy and more confident when I am speaking because I still get shy every time I speak to someone. It's funny, I'll be by myself in my bed and I'll talk great Korean to my cat. But when it comes to talking to a person on Skype, I still freeze up and I would love to get past those jitters. And I think, like I mentioned, it's just a matter of time and exposure with the language until you can get past those jitters. And forming more complex sentences would be nice. That's definitely a a mini goal of mine, to be able to speak more naturally. There's a way in Korean where you you have the sentence endings of Korean and they're based on how respectful you want to be is how you end your sentence. And it's differently for each respect level. But when you are saying a very long phrase, you'll string multiple sentences together with different uh, uh, connecting words. So I want to be able to get to the point where I could say a longer sentence without saying a bunch of super short sentences. It makes you sound more natural. So that's a 
personal goal of mine as well with Korean. And then in the long term, I definitely am interested in learning more languages. So as soon as I feel like I get to a good point with Korean, I'm going to tackle a few more and we'll see where we go from there. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us and for sharing your experience and the challenge and all of your amazing advice to others starting out with a new language. Thank you so much. In the meantime, to everyone listening, we'll of course include everything that was mentioned in the show notes and we look forward to seeing you in a future episode. But until then, happy language learning. Happy language learning. episode, Benny and I like to share a key takeaway you can take action on, something you can put into play in your language learning right away. And in this episode, Evelyn shared something that we often discuss at Fluent 3 Months, and so I think it's important to emphasize it. In our chat, Evelyn pointed out how it's easy to get bogged down by what's hard about a language. But if you reframe your focus towards the things that are easy, you can find more enjoyment and make faster progress with your language. So, what makes the language you're learning easy? Let us know how it goes in the comments for this episode. We hope you enjoyed this interview. We definitely enjoyed chatting with Evelyn. Thanks for listening. And if you found this interview helpful, don't forget to leave us a review at languagehacking.com review. Until next time and happy language learning. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you found this episode valuable and want to help us out, please leave a review at languagehacking.com forward slash review. The Language Hacking Podcast is presented by Benny Lewis and Shannon Kennedy and produced by David Sobel with special thanks to the Fluent in Three Months team. The theme music was written and performed by Shannon Kennedy. Find the show notes at languagehacking.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening and happy language learning.